all of your kind of fans or listeners at most of the places that you finally do acquire attention, all those people are anonymous to you. So you don't know who the people are that are streaming you. You don't even necessarily know who the people are who buy tickets to your show through some third-party ticketing platform. You don't really know anybody who even follows you on Instagram or Twitter or wherever else. Like you, you have approximate knowledge of who they are. But what I'm working on in a larger sense is trying to have new technological kind of platforms or ways where that's not the case. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with my new friend, Rob Abelow. So Rob is the founder of Where's Music Going, which is a platform that helps artists and builders to be able to grow more connected audiences through new technology. Other clients community include leaders in cutting edge music tech, music executives, venture capitalists, and independent artists and team members. I actually discovered Rob because I was following him on Twitter, and he's consistently releasing and posting really good updates about what is happening right now currently with music. And yeah, at the time of recording this, a big piece of that is AI. And we also have experienced some ups and downs through like things like music NFTs as well. So I'm really excited to connect with him because yeah, I've seen him share his perspective and in a lot of ways. I, I think that the conversation we're about to have right now is really on the cutting edge of what it means to be a modern musician. Rob, the final thing I'm going to say here is he has spent over 15 years in the trenches with artists. He has represented artists who performed around the globe. He's picked up billions of streams with his artists, Billboard top 40 albums along the way. Yeah, I'm really excited to have him on the podcast today. So Rob, thank you for taking the time to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So maybe to kick things off, for anyone who's their first time connecting with you, could you share a little bit about yourself and your story and how they started Where's Music Going? Yeah, yeah, and you did a great background for me there. So like you said, I've been managing bands and working in the trenches with artists for 15 plus years. I started working in the music industry when I was in college. I was working in the music business, wasn't, sh I'm sorry, in, in business school, wasn't sure where exactly I was going to go. And I had some friends bands who started doing okay in our minds. They were on the road to stardom and they asked me to manage them and it just clicked for me. It was like, okay, like I'm a huge music fan, failed musician. All my friends are great musicians. This is a great merging of these things. It just dove in head first. And the day I graduated from college, I started working at a small booking agency but I knew I really wanted to be on the management side because that is to me the closest you can be to an artist. You're like the most fully aligned. I always look at it as like a marriage. Like you want to be together for as long as possible. And it was just exciting to me. Every area of the business you're involved in as a manager, everything else you're involved in one specific sector of the business. So after only about two years of working at the agency, I started managing an artist by the name Pete Francis, who's one of the singers in a band called Dispatch. And I was managing his solo career. And I left and I started my own management company. After a few years of doing that, picking up other clients, going pretty well, I started a label through by accident, through necessity, because I had some artists that nobody wanted to sign. 
Started that, a few of those releases went well, and I was approached by Warner Music Group to bring the label into their system. And it was a pretty cool thing at first, actually. It was like a farm system for them. It was like anything I signed, they could upstream to Warner Atlantic. But I like learned a ton, had some great resources and access. Did that for a few years until I realized, like many artists do at major labels, like my kind of people who brought me in left, I was no longer like the championed thing of focus. And it was like hard to get people to work on my bands. So I left and then ran it independent totally for the next eight years or so. And with both of those two things, like the way I always ran things was like this sustainable approach to fan building. We would utilize everything that's out there, streaming, sync, publicity, but it was all about creating deep relationships with fans and just like slowly, like giving them more value than you're getting, having close proximity to them, great contact with them and building a community around what you're doing. And it may take a lot longer to build that way, but you're building a career, not a moment. So I did that for a long time. A few years ago, I did start getting a little bit jaded to how difficult it could be for me as a label sometimes to actually help emerging artists break through because it was just like you're playing the Spotify or TikTok algorithm slot machine. And it was just like waiting for that to happen. And I really wanted to start working on how could we make things better for the working artist on the one-to-many scale instead of one-to-one. So I started consulting for a lot of music tech companies that were trying to take the right approach into this. I ended up starting one that we're in the process of we sold off most of the IP for. And then now for the last few months, I've been both kind of writing on the subject and consulting for others in the space. So that's how I got here. Super cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And yeah, there's definitely something that I could sense was your both understanding of the roots of what being successful as, a, as an artist, especially an independent artist, is all about, which is like you described, it's the relationship, it's the connection you know, with fans. And it's not necessarily sometimes the superficial numbers, the metrics, they make they look good on the surface, but ultimately it's really the real connections, the relationships that make the biggest impact, as well as what you described with the tech is and what's coming. Literally, it's called where is music going? One thing that you'd be curious about is having 15 plus years of experience now in the music industry, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that artists are struggling with right now as it relates to being able to build a community or an audience around their music? Yeah, for one, there's just so much out there, right? And it's just, it's a sea of music and artists and it's just very hard to break through the noise. And there's a lot of strategy and thought that can go into that, but that's just, the, they're going to be the biggest problem for anybody. But I think even then beyond that, it's that all of your kind of fans or listeners at most of the places that you finally do acquire attention, all those people are anonymous to you. So you don't know who the people are that are streaming you. You don't even necessarily know who the people are who buy tickets to your show through some third-party ticketing platform. You don't really know anybody who even follows you on Instagram or Twitter or wherever else. Like you, you have approximate knowledge of who they are. And that is a really big challenge that there's ways you can make that better. You could use tools to get people closer. It's a lot of effort. But what I'm working on in a larger sense is trying to have new technological kind of platforms or ways where that's not the case, where you have more control over who that audience is and the, the relationship and communication channel. 
So I think those things are really big. And then the other is just value out of what you're putting out in the world. Recorded music, I think, has just become a commodity in most ways. It's everybody's paying, hopefully, 10 bucks a month for all the music in the entire world. I was just looking at it today. It's a full year of having access to every single song that's ever been released costs less money than one ticket to a Taylor Swift show, maybe about one fifth. And that just shows how much of a commodity like the music has become, but how important the like experience or something that's active or interactive has become. And I think it's a challenge for artists to find their way into that second part because of the first two parts that I just mentioned. Oh man, so well articulated. And we should definitely catch up after this interview a little bit on our platform street team, which is essentially the exact thing that you're describing. And cool. But one thing that you, that you just brought up that I think is really interesting, and I would love to hear your thoughts on, right now we're experiencing the after effects of a bubble that was burst around NFTs. And to be fair, some of the things that were happening with NFTs are pretty ridiculous, like yeah. you know, millions of dollars going to things that really didn't hold any artistic value. In my opinion, there's a there's still a long-term revolution that is in progress as it relates to music, specifically around NFTs. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts around the state of quote-unquote Web3 and NFTs and where you think music is going as it relates to those platforms. Yeah, you're right. It was There, there was some really crazy things happening. NFTs in general, they... they are correlated to some really bad branding that shows, you know, what certain examples of them are that are just, NFTs are really the technology behind something, but people think NFTs are like pictures of apes that rich people sell to show how rich they are. Or pictures of Donald Trump, (laughs) just like a superhero. But I think to some degree, the initial elements of music NFTs, some of them tried to be like a parallel to that. And I never really was a big believer in that being like the use case for it. I love to see like the value of music in some ways going up. Like, hey, this is, there is a mindset of this is fine art. Can there be a fine art approach to like, there's only a certain amount of these and I want to show that I own that. Like, I, I like that and I support it. But what I have found that is potentially really valuable with blockchain technology and music and NFTs is kind of talking about like the identity. Like I, I know actions that people have taken around me as an artist. I call it sometimes like proof of fandom, right? So I know that you bought tickets to that concert. I know that you bought this t-shirt, stream that thing. We're a member of my fan club. And that by doing all of these things, I can reward you. It can be like this gamified thing. And I have me and you control that relationship wherever it goes for whatever platform it goes to, not those platforms owning that data. So I think that's really interesting, but it's less sexy and it's less right now. And it's less something I could sell to you for 10 times what I bought yesterday. (laughs) It's much more of this infrastructural thing that may take a lot of time. So I look at, okay, there's a band called Avenged Sevenfold, and they're really like pioneers in exploring how you can use Web3 in the way that I'm talking about. And they have a fan club where they sold music NFT passes to become members of the fan club. And once you bought it, that unlocked things. It unlocks chat rooms and things like that, where you could experience things with the band. But then they partnered with Ticketmaster to do the very first token-gated presale to their shows. 
So instead of using like some password to get in that anybody could share, it was like you showed that you were a member of their fan club by connecting your wallet. Ticketmaster read that and said, oh, this is legitimately a fan of this band. They should get access to buy tickets before anybody else. And that's just like a breadcrumb to where we could go eventually, where everything is blockchain enabled. And you could always just enable your wallet, which is maybe your Apple wallet. And it just shows who you are and what you've done and who you're a fan of. And that could change your experience. There's other ways of using music NFTs. And I think artists are like, there's a lot of different experiments out there now, but it's in a almost the almost every kind of buyer who's in there for music NFTs is like a crypto native, I don't want to say non-music fan, but they're like crypto first person. And the mindset is very much, I'm going to buy this and sell this for more than I had it previously. And I think we need to move away from that into how does this make a music fan's experience better? All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Really well said. Yeah. So it sounds like you think that the angle or at least one angle where NFTs could provide more value is around identity and uniquely identifying the relationship between a fan and the artist and therefore providing access to the artist and or exclusive experiences. Yeah, we definitely need to connect on the stuff <laughs> that we're building with Street Team and with the membership, the inner circle stuff. But this actually leads really nicely into maybe a tangential, but definitely connected really conversation around AI. Because I, I agree, it seems like identity is something that it's gonna become so, so important. And verification, verification yeah. of identity is gonna be so important in a world where 
it's going to be so easy to generate misinformation and AI-generated deepfakes in, in music. <laughs> so maybe you could describe a little bit like your experience or what you're seeing right now. For someone who's here right now, I feel like, I don't know, if you'd have to have your head buried under the sand to some degree if you haven't heard yet about AI or heard some ripples of like ChatGPT and like some of these different tools. And maybe if you're well up to date, you might have heard of some of the voice models that are coming out around like famous artists. But maybe you could share like a quick, to bring people up to date, if they're on the outskirts, they're not really fully aware of what's the landscape right now as it relates to AI and music generation. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how fast things are happening. And like most things, like it's been happening for a long time. And then overnight, there's like these big moments that make it part of all the conversation or it all comes together. We've had like lots of assistive AI over the years in bits and pieces. And a lot of everybody probably uses it to some degree in, in their production, maybe without even knowing it sometimes. But now there's a lot more generative AI, which can be something like you literally just go to Google, just launch their music LM and you can go in there and you could just with text prompts, tell it the type and vibe of music you want it to generate and it'll pump something out to you. That level of generative music AI is okay, right? Like it's not taking your job yet, maybe not for a very long time. It's more for like idea generation and playing with, it'll get better. But another thing that's happening is this kind of voice cloning AI. And what's happening is you can take not even that much, maybe 30 minutes now of a, a say famous singer's voice, plug it into a model. And then now what I can do as a, maybe not even a real singer, just as a casual person, I can have a song that I've made, I can sing on it. And then I can use a plugin to change my voice into Drake's voice or Michael Jackson's voice. In fact, there's a bunch of like apps that have popped up just in the last few weeks that are like upload an MP3 and then select from this menu of artists you want it to sound like. And within five minutes or less, you're getting it back. And, <laughs> oh and while in the short term, these things are gimmicky and trendy, there's a few that have gone viral one of them tried to release to Spotify and commercialize it. It was a ripoff of Drake in the weekend and that got taken down. And what this is mainly caused is just everybody to reckon with, okay, what's about to happen here? How do we deal with this? What AI is good AI? What AI needs to be outlawed? Can we even do that? Can we just say we don't want this to exist? Because when the music industry tried to do that with illegal downloads and file sharing, that was the worst possible route to take. And what it did was destroy the music market because that all existed in kind of the legal market. And that's where everybody went because there was no acceptable monetized legal way. So I think what's really happening right now is figuring out how do we like coexist with this in ways that like artists benefit and monetize it. So there's a lot of people in the music industry working to figure out, okay, do we have licensed versions of these vocal and other AI models that there's consent and people can use it and they're paying for the right to use it? And if they are allowed to commercially release it, that the original artists are monetized. Yeah. Sorry if that's hard to follow. There's so much going on. I'm trying to bottle it a little bit into to this moment. <laughs> yeah, that's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I heard. Uh, obviously the the Drake and the weekend one was pretty amazing just like the virality that it had was interesting but then also uh, I heard one with the Beatles it was like a, it was John Lennon and Paul McCartney it was like a new Beatles song and it sounded just like them there was one where it was 
Paul McCartney, like one of his newer songs, but they modeled it based on mm. his younger Beatles. And it just got me thinking like, man, I, I want to write a song with John Lennon and Paul McCartney just for my <laughs> own personal fun. If I don't release it, like I want to have, I want to do a duet on a song. And it's, it sounds like it's basically possible right now. Like we can go, you'll probably do this. So this is, I'm going to do this for sure. But you brought up like this, a really important point, which is how, how do we properly license or have copyrights and royalties based on using a, the likeness of someone else's voice, which seems like that's like a, a broader issue with AI in general right now. So oh, yeah. like data and who owns the final output. And you also referenced the time in history where this kind of happened with illegal downloads. And then here comes along a iTunes store and creates a accessible, easier legal way to do it. And then people naturally went towards that. So in your opinion, what do you think is the best solution to best? Obviously there's, <laughs> we're all discovering this together, but in, in your mind, you know, where do you think that this is headed in terms of creating a real coexistence with this type of technology? I think the big thing is figuring out what that licensing infrastructure is. An artist who's like paving the way really early on is Grimes, who she's got a big audience. She is not signed to a label right now. So she had some freedom and she said, anybody who creates a song using a model of my voice, I'll split royalties with you 50, 50. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have now, and they actually made a model and you can go down. Like this is all taped together really quick by her and her great management team. And you can go, you can download the stems and use their modeler. You can make a song with her voice. You upload it back into her system and you actually like release, distribute it through her like white labeled like distro kit, right? And then you're splitting wow. royalties. And there's, this isn't perfect, right? This can be violated. But what I like about this, it, the spirit of it is if you give positive incentives and a real system for people to use things, it, that works better than giving negative incentives, like saying we're going to sue you. Because if somebody wants to work with this stuff, they're going to find ways to do it. And they want to say, hey, listen, if I use this and I do, I go the right path and I use, Grimes told me I could do it if I use this system and I release it with this and it's branded in the way that she likes it. It says Grimes AI that has its own page. I know by her rules where it's allowed to be released. I know what the splits are. I'm more likely to do that because I know when I release it, it won't be taken down. It won't be a waste of my time. And so I think of this as like the music industry at large creates this system that now you have these people who maybe would have quote unquote been like bad actors or operating outside of this system. Now they're hopefully operating inside the system and actually is like really beneficial for everybody. Like I say, call it growing the pie. You mentioned like you'd really like to do a song with Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Think about that. Monetizing consumption has been very hard. Like people have attached themselves to paying just more than zero, right? A little more than zero. We're willing to pay it's $10 a month. And it's hard to get people to pay more. Super fans will buy vinyl, et cetera. But people will pay a lot of money to do something that's active and engaging with something and creating on it. And I think if you, with AI, you can actually give the ability for a lot more people that aren't like aspiring professional musicians, but just want to interact with like their favorite artist's music in some cool way and not even necessarily release it wow. commercially. Maybe there's apps, games, there are closed ecosystems or who knows what they are that says, hey, you can mess around with something and make your voice sound like John Lennon or like mm -hmm. you said, sing along. I think that potentially there's ways to tap it 
And I, the way I look at it is I just want all that money going back to the artist instead of it being these like new generated stuff that some tech companies making money on and no artist. And I think that's the thing where it's who knows what directions this is going to go. But I'm like, if we can build the right way fast, yeah, I think more artists can benefit. hundred percent. And you yeah, mentioned web three and web three can be really potentially really good for kind of tracking ownership and identity of these things as they move from place to place. Super interesting. Yeah, as you're describing that, one thing that came to mind was like, I want John Lennon to write me a song for my new baby that was just born. <laughs> like John Lennon writes the song, like he like describes some details, and then boom, like it outputs a song with John Lennon, yeah, like singing to your daughter. And it seems like that's as like crazy as it sounds. Like we're actually probably really close to being able to do something like that. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts around. It seems like one of the trends with AI that's un, that was unexpected was that some of the roles or the jobs that like it does a really good job at are things that we thought would be like the last things for AI to do, like things like creative work and generating artwork and music and books. And it seems like that's one of the you – know, we're still so early on too, so it's not – it's not going to, you mentioned it's not going to replace us like right now or anytime soon, hopefully. But where do you think that we're headed in terms of generative, like, like being able to using prompts generate a full track that's like really good, that just sounds like it's the artist that wrote it? How far away do you think that we are from something like that? And what do you think the implications are for music overall? You mentioned a little bit about like how fans can actually be more interactive and maybe more creative, but certainly it seems like this would level the playing field in terms of who is a music creator. Totally. Yeah. It's like the, I, the lines of who's a creator and consumer, I think will get really blurry and, and that's already happened. Right. I mean, we have to some degree, I think it's been more of the people who like really want to be a musician because, but we've had what millions and millions of artists and you make a good point it, it has been interesting because it's really gone after the knowledge workers more than anything like manual I think software developers are like the people most at risk and with a lot of these kind of things that it's coming into i think what happens is the people who are the most skilled the skill ends up becoming in like the decision making and the curation of like how to use that tool and take what that tool gives back to you and evolve it or decide what to take or keep that goes from like writing to music or like a photo journalist, anything like that. I think AI ends up actually making like the top X percent be that much more efficient and like actually increase how much probably better they are than like the bottom percent. I think I take it out of music and think of like copywriters and like anybody who's putting out like really mediocre stuff just to do it for SEO. Like AI can do that now. But if you're someone who's like an incredible writer, AI may just be like a tool for you to help organize your thoughts. It's not going to replace your writing and your style. And I think the same thing for music. And I think music is also significantly more complex than almost all the other creative things AI is dealing with, right? For instance, like photos and like art, it's like there already. It's It can do an incredible, you want to do album artwork on mid journey, you can go do that right now. Music, I think is going to be further down the line. I think on the fully generative stuff, it's mostly going to be the uses that are less about like fandom and are more functional. You take like, and this is happening already, but you know, music behind a YouTube video 
where music isn't central or in other kind of synchronized use cases, a lot of corporate stuff. There's actually this really funny irony that like Warner Music made this huge statement about taking down that Drake and the Weekend song, but and about AI, but they also are like a big investor in this AI company that like touts that like you can get cheaper music from them than essentially real artists as like background music for corporations. I think a lot of that stuff is going to be going away and it kind of sucks because it's like this nine to five income for a lot of working musicians. I think there's also, I think of like the eighties and there was like all this Casio, like overproduced, like synth music and like hair bands as well. And then all of a sudden in the nineties, there was this pushback to that where it was like, we want grunge. We want like attitude and emotion and raw. And I think we're going to see that there's going to be people who are like, I want like the most humanity and like the least amount of production on a lot of stuff. Like that connection, that authenticity is going to be important. I actually think it's a good thing because I think we've lost some of that even before AI with just the way people experience music, like on a playlist, not chosen for them. They may not know the artist's name. The context is ripped away. So I think like taking that up a level will have this like reverse response of, no, I want to know who this person is. Maybe that's just a hope. And then there's another like outcome that I think will be just like with any other technological advance, there's going to be like the artist who like know how to use it well and create new types of music or sounds and like genres and people who love that because they're like, that's really pushing the boundaries of what's possible. There's a few different things and it's impossible to know exactly what's there, but I think there's going to be a mix. Super interesting. Yeah. And one thing that really strikes me is just how, like you described at the beginning, is just how quickly it's evolving and how, like, this is like a matter of months, right? OpenAI is the fastest growing company in human history. Is that right? Fastest 2 million subscribers ever. Yeah. Wow. And it seems, yeah, every week there's just like another big breakthrough. Now there's, there's calls to slow down on AI, to put like a pause on it. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but certainly like it, it seems like something on the order of magnitude of the internet that's happening with AI. And one point that you brought up was around in, in this world where like the function, the functional pieces that maybe used to be obstacles or hold people back, or they just took time mm -hmm. to, to create or record everything. Now that those are gone, it's easier to be prolific. It's easier to create stuff, to be creative and to create new content. But it does seem like there's, there's a counter force, like you described around the need for human connection, especially in the world of AI and amazing quality music. It does seem like one thing that you, I don't think you can <laughs> replace with a robot is like the feeling of, yeah. of you just have like authenticity or connection. I don't know. There's like thera therapist bots that seem like they do a oh, pretty good job of yeah. asking questions. But. There's the most dystopian are like these AI chat bots that like, apparently even in the music world, people like love, even though they know that's, it's not actually the artist. And I'm like, that's so dystopian to me. Oh man. There, this, it certainly brings up some interesting questions around what, it, what is it, uh, what does it mean to be human and what is like, what is intelligence? Like what is consciousness? Like it, there's a lot of conversation happening around AI and one criticism of the models right now, at least with like the text generative ones is that they're just really good at predicting the next word in a sequence, but they're not really like intelligent like we are. But then like when I really, if I'm really honest with myself, like how do, how does my brain function? Like how do I, yeah. like, 
I don't know what I'm going to say 10 words from now. It's literally, it's just happening in a string in front of me. <laughs> and like, it's, it creates a sense of coherence, like after when we look back at it, but the truth is, this is just happening. And I think anyone who's listening to this, who's tried meditating for 10 minutes and right. notices what happens, like your brain, it just, it goes, you're not, you're not thinking it just it happens so that's actually really interesting i never thought about it that way through meditation because i thought about this like when you're meditating and you sometimes realize that like your body or your whatever it is is like throwing a million different ideas at you essentially like these thought things bubble up and you can either take them and roll with it like unconsciously not knowing it or sometimes you could say wait a minute i don't want to take that you're almost like if you're in control, you're like the curator of these incredible amount of impulses, emotions, and thoughts that come up. And it kind of does act like that. It's like, that's what it's suggesting to you easily are all these different things, well-formed, thought out, and you need to be the curator of those things. Something that's like terrifying and interesting is, so we have like OpenAI is trained on everything pre-2022, so pre-in-existing and putting content out. But as these AI models continue into the next few years, they're going to be retraining themselves on all the information out there publicly, much of which they will be putting out themselves and at an increasing rate. So they will then be continually training off of themselves and getting into this recursive thing that's very weird. I, but on the, what's person, what's real and human, I think that's kind of like the purpose of art and the purpose of music is to have that connection both with the artist, but also to like other people. Like I got so into music because I loved my favorite bands growing up were Fish, a band called My Morning Jacket. And I always love live music. Whenever I listen to something, it was like, what is this going to feel like when I'm at the show with other people? There's a feeling when you're watching it and like you're loving it, you're feeling so good and you look around and everybody in the room like feels the same way as you do. And you don't even know all these people. You like feel close and high five somebody, whatever it is like that feeling that like music can create like that to me, it's hard to see like knowingly this came from AI where that is a very difficult thing to replace. I think there's it's going to be a tool in the tool belt. It's hard for me to ever see gen like something even close to fully generative that isn't totally controlled as a tool by the artist to ever replace that type of experience. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super interesting. It's you know, one thing that comes to mind kind of related to this idea that we're talking about of like how our brains like think themselves, but it seems like a lot of the most prolific or the most creative artists of all time acknowledge that when they're in the flow or kind of in this state, that it's almost like they're like channeling this creative force through themselves. And sometimes they don't even really take credit for it. It's just sort of, they feel like a conduit to this creative force. And it does seem like with playing piano, when you first start learning to play piano, you have to really think a lot about where do my fingers go and which notes, what's happening here. And then eventually when you become skilled enough with the, just like how the, the patterns and how to use it, then you'd think less and less about the actual, like, well, how did you describe it earlier? Like the functional components of here's how my fingers move in this way. But what doesn't change is that I, the thought and being able to, to channel or point or curate where that goes. So to your point, maybe AI is always going to be a, a way to channel or it can be a way to channel sort of a creative expression, but that's really like the essence of art itself is channeling that. The one thing that you brought up too, that I think is really interesting 
was around the experience, the experience of being at a show and connected and in a moment with all these people around you who are in the same space. It does seem like there's maybe a movement, and this is a movement that's always been there, but maybe because of the lack of live connection, live shows has been subjugated. Is that the right word for it? Like to just listening to music on the background, not really knowing who the artists are, but it does seem like there's, there's this essence of like live music and being live and being here in a moment together in this eternal live experience that maybe, maybe this is something I'm like rambling here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on maybe the metaverse and how it relates to, or just live experiences in general and where you think music is heading in terms of the future of connection, the future of live music. I think in general, like people have just so much value for anything that does get them together that has like an ephemeral quality. I think people put maybe more than ever in the last decade or so, just like the value of doing things over owning things, which is really cool. Live Nation just put out some data the other day that their first quarter earnings, and it showed that they had more ticket sales and ticket revenue than ever before in a Q1. There's a lot of caveats with that. Like they just acquired a bunch of companies in the last couple of years. So like how apples to apples is it? And also when I talk to some agent friends, they keep telling me like there's more arena tours and like stadium tours. I mean, like essentially big venues that can like artists that can sell out those venues than ever before. But I've been trying to get more and more into data on like, it's harder to get the data on like small to mid-sized venues and how those are like really performing because I do feel like it's harder for artists to like break through on an early level than it has been in a long time. In terms of the metaverse, like, I don't know if there's been an experience yet that I've seen that is incredibly compelling and that like, to me really works, but I do think we're just, some, we're going to get there in some way, shape or form. And we all think of like metaverse, we think of like meta and how that's failed with Facebook, but like with Roblox, in Fortnite, if you look at the metaverse that way, it's and with younger kids who get to what's important is they live in these places, they experience it, and they get to build on it. I do think there's potentially something powerful there for music experiences for people to go play in. I just I'm not it's not apparent to me if those are concerts or what form that really takes. Yeah. Yeah, really well said. Are you familiar with Neuralink, the company Elon Musk is working on? more from like a headline perspective, but not the details. Yeah. I just, I feel like it's, that's on the level of just totally game changing to what it means to, to be human or to, that shapes our experience of reality. And when I think of the metaverse, to your point around, we usually think of meta, it's like in their name now, meta, the metaverse that they were kind of, they're creating. And we might have an idea of what that is and be skeptical of it or not skeptical, but it does seem like if we had some version of a Neuralink or a brain interface that unlocked the ability to interface more directly with digital intelligence or AI, then we could hypothetically create like a really lifelike simulated environment, maybe as lifelike as what we're experiencing right now. And if we were in that environment, and we had one of these neural links that you know, maybe there would there'd be no gap between what we 
think or imagine and the thing happening. You think, I'm going to fly right now. And whoosh, like, now I'm flying. <laughs> and it, yeah. I think also augmented reality, like even bef- maybe before we get to that as well, is, yeah. is something that we feel like a little more comfortable with, especially if it's not like perfect. And I see a lot of this using your phone as like the intermediate thing or to some physical object and you're putting your phone over it to have it display more things or perhaps like a concert that's in your living room rather than like you being fully in the concert. I could see things like that also taking shape. Yeah, that's a good point. That's certainly going to happen before people decide to get brain surgery and put like a new like <laughs> in, in their body. Yeah, it's super interesting. I know Apple has their like augmented glasses that they're working on. Gosh, they might be talking this about it week, today. Right? Yeah. It's today that they're doing WWDC. But yeah, super interesting. And that seems like that could have some implications for live music and being able to like, like to experience it. But I, I agree. I think right now we just haven't really had the, that level of experience where like it's fully encapsulated what it'll be like. But I do think if we could imagine a world where it's like this, but it's a digital environment and we can teleport to hang out with friends or do anything or you may, I used to be in this, this game, Warcraft three. And it was a super geeky game. I'm like, you know, now I'm declaring myself as a nerd. But one of the coolest things is that they had these like custom maps where people could create their own spins of the game. And there's so many creative things that people like generated. And there's this whole like marketplace or this world of like free games. You could just like hop in the room and be like, huh, what's this game that someone created? And you're meeting people around the world, like playing these creative games. And it makes, I wonder if it'll be something similar where it's like, we can scroll through all these different environments and be like, oh, I'm going to go explore what it's like to be in a world where there's no gravity That's around, right. or I'm going to tune into this one. Or, yeah. Or you walk into this artist's curated experience, right? And then this fan's edit of that artist's curated experience mm-hmm. could be interesting. Totally. Yeah. Like fan fictions or <laughs> reach a new level. <laughs> Gosh, there was a video I saw that was VR, a VR environment with someone who was talking with basically like instances of chat GPT, but in the form of like humans. And he would say something and it would take some time to like respond. But something clicked where I was like, man, like there's going to be, like it's going to change everything for RPGs for like oh, character I models. S- I don't, you may have seen this a similar thing because I saw it was yeah using non-person characters and essentially yeah like they they're they don't have these rote scripts but they're interacting with whatever you've done so far in the game whatever you say to them and like you mentioned there's a lag but that's going to go away rather quick the development of all these things happen like I mentioned it takes 30 minutes of somebody's voice to create a model the reality is that's what it was a month ago and I've talked to people this week who are like we can do it in about 10 minutes maybe seven minutes now we haven't released that yet that's how fast all these things are going yeah i mean for stuff like that like in a video game to make it totally immersive and believable some people are going to end up i think of the book infinite jess which is the entertainment is so good that you never leave it and it's like this you die in your chair because you haven't fed yourself (laughs) (laughs) hopefully that's not the future (laughs) yeah there's there's a lot of sci-fi or dystopian things where that's kind of like the direction. And then, and then there's people like Elon Musk who think that we're in some sort of simulation already, yeah. which is also interesting. But yeah, it certainly seems like the AI models, like that's going to change everything with the ability to, rather than them having scripted lines in games, being able to just have develop a character model and then you interact with that character model 
but you'd still need some kind of like narrative themes or a lot. You need to have still like a direction that people are going in. And yeah, it kind of makes you think as it relates to music, like how it could be a step, a further step down the line of creating AI generated voice models of, but if you could actually interact or sit in a room with AI Drake and be able to co-write a song with AI Drake or co-write a song with Paul McCartney, there's like a whole can of worms around what about when that happens? Is it going to, is AI Drake going to be more prolific than normal Drake? And do the record labels they want to use? He almost already is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know like what the answer is there, but I think of it as it's so hard to grasp things as they're happening and things are more exponential than they've ever been. But like anytime any new tech kind of was involved in music, there was always like this fear, like when the drum machine was brought in, it's like, all right, that's the death of all drummers. Is that what we want to have happen? And that's just the way that happens or sampling, which then became a norm, right? And we found ways to like, make sure that was monetized or there's a way to, to license it. And I think of who's the most covered band ever. And it's the Beatles, right? Is that good or bad for them? It's good, right? Like it's an important part of the legacy. Who's the most sampled artist ever? It's James Brown, right? That's like an incredible thing for him. At some point, it's like you want to be the most covered. You want to be the most sampled because that is like a, a, a your legacy. It shows your influence and that like your ideas and who you are is essentially a meme. And it's such a powerful one, an important one that it gets like repetitively copied to other people. And like that brings you back into the culture and brings importance back to who you were as an artist. Is this the next evolution of that? Or is it, is it that it's at such an incredible rate and it's actually mimicking you that for the first time, there's a really actually a negative outcome to it. And that's why I think it's important to make sure it's delineated what's real, what's not real. I will say from like my anecdotal conversations, both directly or through like other people who've spoken to a lot of representatives of major artists who passed away, that they are the most excited on average about this because they see monetization strategies of just as an example, this isn't one, but like Frank Sinatra, right? It's like, you want music in the style of Frank Sinatra sang by Frank Sinatra, maybe on this Frank Sinatra hologram, right? And you can go, you know, what I start looking at is like the challenge for up and coming musicians is much harder to tap into the benefits of that than already existing famous musicians. And then you're already competing more so with catalog music than ever before on, on streaming. What happens when Michael Jackson can come out with a new song <laughs> and perform? Yeah. It's just like, now you're like actively competing with a history of stars. That yeah. to me is an interesting thing to navigate. Yeah, it is super interesting. The first thing that comes to mind is, you, cause if all we have is like the existing stars and existing familiar voices, then it would probably start to get, I don't know, a bit like monotonous or old. Mm -hmm. If you imagine all these up and coming artists having the access to be able to record duets or record featured songs and work with these established artists, then it seems like there's maybe this angle where they're going to be able to connect with this existing audience with this existing DNA and attach what's unique to them. And that, that collaborative nature could be interesting to watch. Totally. There's a platform called Pixelinks that's just coming online right now. That's it's metaverse AR, AI, Web3. And 
The way it's starting is with DNA. It's Dead Mouse is one of the founders. And the initial one is you create this AI companion and you go around and you collect things. And what you're essentially collecting is different pieces of like artist DNA that you can put into like your companion model to then make more and better music. And it's based off of Dead Mouse. And eventually I can go collect DNA from like this other artist. And it all has a pathway back to that artist. So I can create music, put it into the ecosystem, maybe release it. It's successful. And like that art, it's all a direct line to pay back who that artist was. And then someone can even take something I've released and collect it and put it into what they're building. And it has a pathway back to you as the creator and then back to Dead Mouse. And they're experimenting and it's super new, but I'm like that, there's something interesting there with mm. that level of DNA. Wow. Up until this point, the only way you could collect samples of your favorite artist DNA was to have sex with them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And now this is, it just leads to the continued asexuality of uh, the younger <laughs> generations that have been happening. Oh man. Hey, with that, man, this is a, there. <laughs> that's about the last place I expect this to end, but it's, I feel like it's a fitting end here. The, the life itself has been about the passing of DNA and it does seem like there's what defines who we are and you described like the meme nature of our ideas and being able to like to be able to pass that forward credit legacy it seems yeah like identity is super interesting we live in some pretty awesome times so rob thank you so much for taking the time to hop on here this has been one of my favorite conversations i've had in a long time about this stuff thanks awesome. for being on the cutting edge and helping to shine a light on some of these new developments that are happening for anyone here right now who's interested in learning more or diving deeper, where do you recommend that they go to connect more with you? Yes. Yeah, so if they want to follow my newsletter, which comes out once a week, they can go to wheremusicsgoing.com. And essentially what I do there is I talk ideas at the top for honestly two minutes. And then I usually get into tools and strategies you can use to help you connect with your audience. And also if anybody's on Twitter, they can follow me there at Rob. Awesome. Like always, we'll put all the links in the show notes for easy access. And yeah, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.